It's very natural uh, feeling to feel sorry for a person who suffers, any person really, and especially when something bad happens to someone who is good. We don't like to see a good person taken down, and all the more so if that person intentionally is taken down for doing something right. Now, it seems like we've been seeing an awful lot of that in our country in the last two years. And if I were to guess, I think uh, we're probably going to see a bit more of it before things start to improve. However, when a nation turns away from God and begins to take pleasure in evil, well, what do you expect? The injustice of a good person suffering at the hands of the unjust simply becomes commonplace. So I think we can expect more of this. A lot of people are victimized, and unless you happen to belong to the elite club that actually benefits from the meeting out of injustice, there is an ever-increasing likelihood that you might suffer the fate of one of those victims. You're listening today to Unity Without Compromise. This is your host, Dr. Steve LaTulip. I am on America Out Loud Talk Radio where patriots gather to speak and proclaim the truth and remember that all truth is God's truth. Now, we live in such a time, and based on uh, what we're seeing, the inequities are not so subtle anymore. They are bold, in fact, and outrageous. I have a guest joining me today who was actually one such victim over a decade ago. But his story, in my opinion, is more relevant now than ever. Not only was this man a victim of injustice, but he actually made a conscious, well-informed choice to literally take up his cross and be nailed to it, rather than to compromise his values and to breach his conscience. His name is Dr. Terry Lakin. Dr. Lakin is a family medicine doctor and former flight surgeon who now resides in Wichita, Kansas. He is a graduate of Kansas City University of Medicine and Biosciences College of Osteopathic Medicine, and he's been in practice for over 21 years now. In addition to family medicine, he also has worked in occupational medicine, in complementary and integrative medicine, as well as urgent care. And he does a little more than that. He has done a little more than that, but we'll get to it. He, Dr. Lakin, uh, I just want to say it's a pleasure to have you join me today. I thank you for everything that you have done and for what you're going to share with us today. So thanks for being with me. Thank you, Steve. It's nice that you invited me to be on the show. Glad to have you here. So you spent 17 years in the U.S. Army, as I understand, having last served as chief of primary care and flight surgeon uh, medicine, and then you were court-martialed in December of 2010, and sentenced to six months in prison at Leavenworth because of something you did. Now, would you mind sharing with us what horrible crime you committed, Dr. Lagan? Well, as a, an officer that um, goes through the promotion ranks and has to recommit to your oath of office of protecting and defending the Constitution, I 
found myself in the dilemma of not knowing who my commander in chief was, or if my commander in chief was a legitimate commander in chief via the constitution and the eligibility clause. So, um, I, I questioned, um, through my chain of command, the way that I knew how, or, or learned how to do it through uniform code of military justice and asked my superiors to help me out with this dilemma. And the answers that I got were horrible. Um, uh, I went through my congressman and tried to question my commander in chief's eligibility through my congressman. And the answers that I got from them was even worse. I'm actually, you know, visiting with some of them in, in DC. And that led me to uh, deciding that I was going to get out of the military. I had at least a two year more commitment left, but I would serve my time and get out. But I was ordered to deploy under uh, President Obama's uh, surge to Afghanistan again, and and I defied deployment I, so that I would not deploy until I have, uh, until he gives some of the public validation that he's eligible to serve as a commander in chief. Well, um, that's an issue that is still not uh, answered in the affirmative to my best understanding, and we'll get a little more to that. But the issue here for our listeners is that was President Obama, who was elected as president for two terms, was he actually eligible or not to serve as commander-in-chief as president of the United States of America? And of course, the issue was raised early on, was he an American-born uh, citizen, a Native American by birth. And I believe that requires that both parents uh, be um, citizens of the United States. Am I correct in assuming that or not? That, that is my understanding. That must be born of two citizens. And, and whether it's on U.S. soil or not, maybe that's a, you know, a, a different question. Um, you know, that, that brings up John McCain's question. If he was born of two citizens overseas on military orders or, you know, then that may be another detail. detail. But um, regardless of regarding Obama, if his parents are who his parents, he says his parents are, his father was not even maybe a green card, but had no no uh, intention of ever becoming a citizen and did not become a citizen. And we still don't know where he was, his birthplace. Right. We, to date, we have never received a legitimate birth certificate from Obama. Now, as I was reading through your book, I was reminded of a few things that I had recalled reading uh, some years ago. And one of those was uh, Obama's social security number. Would you speak to that just briefly? Uh, you know, everything of Obama's history is riddled with mystery or deception. And um, I've spoken and, and heard uh, a lady by the name of, oh, I believe it's Susan Daniels, who's a private investigator. And she is the one that tracked down his 
social security number and it came up to somebody that had been dead for 50 years and you know had no association with Obama um, and further expanding on that story of his social security number it I believe Obama's um, uh, adopted mother was a bank clerk in Hawaii who had access to social security numbers and was able to generate birth certificates for people coming in through Hawaii. Right. And so, what state was his social security number from? Do you recall? Uh, Connecticut, I believe. Yes, that's exactly what I read. How in the world could he get a social security number from Connecticut? I mean, did, did he have any connection to Connecticut whatsoever? It just doesn't make sense. So that being the case, I mean, I can understand you raising the issue about it, but why did you actually decide? I mean, what was the real thing that may led you to make an issue of Obama's birth certificate? I mean, does it really matter whether Obama was a natural born citizen or not? Well, um, yes, I mean, that's kind of the development of uh, officers and leadership and adulthood. I, when I first joined the military as a second lieutenant, I, I didn't understand the oath that I was giving. I realized I would follow orders up to and including giving my life um, for an organization, the military that I believed in. And each subsequent um, promotion, you learn more along the way. Um, and I would say promotion in a major and promotion to lieutenant colonel, I really understood the responsibility that our officer's oath has. And then the difference between our oath as an officer to support and defend the constitution um, versus the enlisted oath, which is to, to obey the orders of the president. And so we're a safeguard as officers. Um, I, when I saw the, I, I was stationed in the DC area at the time of, um, uh, McCain and McCain's election and, um, or him running against Obama, and I saw quite quite a difference in the coverage of media that made me uh, concerned that we weren't getting the full story. I looked into it further, and when you look into Obama's past and all the deception, the the criminals that are involved in covering up his past, uh, Brennan and Clapper, and all, all the other stories going along with it. I, I read into that and I read so much, listened to a lot of talk radio. I had a two hour, three hour commute at the time. And um, I grew very concerned about it. Um, as did many time, Americans, as did yeah. many Americans, because you're right. It seems like the more we investigated into the legitimacy of Barack Obama, the more questions we had, the more doubts we had. I remember feeling that same thing at the time. And I had not heard about you, uh, Dr. Lakin, back when. I wish I had, because um, when I looked at you taking a stand as you did on such an important issue as that, it just leads me to ask the question, why were you so alone in that? 
Now, there were a couple of people that did support your beliefs strongly, but there weren't many. Is that correct? Yeah, it was, you know, a, a different time, but not unlike the, the socialist agenda of anybody raising a question was focused upon and ridiculed and, and um, you know, that had a, a quieting effect on everybody. And, it did. And, it did, and it still does, doesn't it? Yes. And at that time, I was... Uh, I had gone through another training program and hadn't been deployed for four years. And I, I knew that my, um, my deployment, you know, number was coming up and, and my unit that had deployed to Afghanistan in 2004 was deploying again. And I, I sat out the division surgeon that I knew and said, I want to go with you guys when you go. Um, he, he did a by name request and I was, slotted to go with them in the preliminary stages and then election happened and Obama won. And I said, no, I'm not going to go. Um, you know, I, I don't want to by name request and I'll just serve out my term and be done with it. But I still couldn't let the issue drop. And that's when I sought out going through what means I could through my chain of command. Um, there's a article 136 where you can, address your commander about a grievance and I took it up through my chain of command and um, was slammed down. I, I even had a one-star general's lawyer call me and say, Terry, stop questioning this because people disappear or people have breaks go out and um, tragic things happen to people that do this. And right. So you, so when you shed the light on corruption and try to expose it, your life is at risk. And I suppose that is still happening today. I mean, look at what's happened to so many of the people that were involved in exposing uh, the Clintons, for example. I mean, they uh, not we. Everybody knows that all those people did not commit suicide. They were likely casualties um, of the truth because they wanted to expound on that. So you're in a very unique position, uh, Dr. Lakin, because um, here you are. You were a, a lieutenant colonel at that time. Is that correct? Yes. When you took a stand. Okay. So in yeah, essence, here, right. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So here you are as a lieutenant colonel in the army and you are raising an issue of whether or not Obama is legitimate or not. And he is the one who essentially uh, trickles down the orders for all military personnel where they will deploy to and serve and so forth. So in essence, and this is what really makes your case unique, you were made a political prisoner for abiding by your constitutional right and duty because you questioned the legitimacy of a president who, in my estimation, uh, the, the evidence only clearly shows more and more that this man was an imposter. I mean, you cannot call him uh, a, a traitor because you have to belong to a country to be a, a treasonous, to be a, a traitor to your country. So, um, you know, it just hit me. It's like, wow, doesn't that ring a bell? Because isn't that what happened on January 6th 
when people again protested against what seemed like in an illegitimate pregnant uh, now, presidency, and it, and it definitely has panned out. We know the corruption in voting has been rampant. And so your case is very much similar to the January 6th political hostages who also exercised their First Amendment right by redressing their government with grievances about another illegitimate president. I mean, that that seems to parallel very closely, except that you acted more as a lone wolf. I mean, did you have anybody in your court whatsoever that you can recall was raising the same protest? Well, that's what I I watched many other cases. Um, Orly Tates was a lawyer out of California that was taking up a lot of cases. There was um, a Lieutenant uh, Easterling who was a reservist and brought up the question, but they quickly quieted him. There was a Lieutenant Colonel, um, drawing a blank on the name, who was National Guard, and he was being called up to deploy as an intelligence officer. Uh, he, he brought up the question and was re- represented by Orly Tates, and they subsequently just rescinded his orders and took away his security clearances and ruined his, his military career. Um, commander retired um, Charles Kirshner, who later became a good friend, uh, took the case all the way up to the Supreme Court. And, you know, the Supreme Court has their five justices that decide on cases that they're going to hear or not. And they and they punted on it. They, they would not hear the case. That's so, amazing. That's watching all these, you know, and people told that they didn't have standing. Uh, voters were trying to bring up the question and told that they had no standing. And I went through the process that I could, did my congressman. Um, I learned a lot from uh, a lot of disgusting things about our, our representatives. But um, when the time came for me to take up uh, when I was ordered to deploy, I figured if, in, if no one has, if anybody has any standing, it would be me. Uh, senior Lieutenant Colonel, I had just been selected for promotion to bird Colonel. And all I wanted to know was that Obama had a birth certificate that validated that he was eligible, just like a birth certificate that I was being required to present for my orders to deploy. Sure. As I recall, you had to have five copies of your birth certificate to deploy. Is it overseas? It is. But, you know, isn't it the same issue? Or am I seeing this uh, not clearly? Uh, when you consider the January 6th situation where people were protesting, saying this is not a legitimate uh, president. I mean, it's not the it, it seems to me like the same issue. And I can't help but think, I, uh, imagine what would have happened to you with our current rogue government, which is so blatantly now uh, totally disregarding the Constitution, what would they have done to you if you even attended that January 6th rally? Did it ever cross your mind to go? or Did you think about it in the same way? It, it did. I was you know, invited. I had friends that went from Colorado. And, and um, yeah, I, I'm... It's a tragedy that we still have people imprisoned with no you know, legal representation or no due process to a, a speedy trial. Um, 
they've been locked up for over a year and without representation. Yes, it is totally disgusting. I mean, I've even repeatedly said on this show, and I will say it boldly, I cannot understand how these hostages have not been rescued. I mean, this this is such a blatant disregard for the American citizen protected by the Constitution. But then when I really think about it, um, the so-called Democrat Party, which is nothing but communists, uh, Marxists, and globalists, they have zero regard for the Constitution. They have no interest in supporting it, defending it, or promoting it. None of these people have actually abided by their oath to protect and defend the Constitution. They are a bunch of miscreants and a bunch of liars, and they have no honor because they have not stayed true to their vow to protect the Constitution. And um, that has huge, huge consequences. And I still think to this day... Uh, that the impact that Obama had on our country, not only was it negative and destructive, but I firmly believe that every bit of it was intentional as far as taking specific actions to weaken um, our empire, the American empire. We stood for something good and Obama stood for everything opposite. He said, we are not that kind of people. That's not who we are. He said that so many times, and he meant it in a completely turned around kind of way. So um, it's really interesting. It was was my awakening 10 or 12 years ago that our country's in peril. If, If we cannot support and defend the Constitution and all aspects of it, then our country is is lost. Well, you won't hear any argument uh, from me on that. I agree with you. Um, We are definitely under siege. We are in a coup right now by this government, this rogue government faction. Uh, But we're fighting to take it back. And um, I, like you, never resigned my commission. I never put a timeline on my oath to support and defend the Constitution. And I am to do it to the fullest. So I just, I'm really curious, uh, since you went to prison, you served how much of that six-month time? Was it five months? Yeah, I got 30 days off for good behavior. Okay, so I've got to ask you, five months in Leavenworth, how did this prison sentence affect you and your wife, Pili, and your children? You have three children. Um, and what about your siblings, your parents? How, how did it impact all of them? Probably similar to how divisive our country is now. Um, you know, I, I had very supportive and loving parents, but they were, uh, they're, they're have socialist tendencies and certainly uh, very happy that a colored person was elected to the president. And they never understood the oath of, or, or the, commitment that our constitution and the good things that our constitution does for our country. So a very divided family, um, loving and supporting wife that got through um, many years of uh, my hardship and uh, even before going off to prison, but uh, um, brought 
brought me closer to Christ and, and showed me the way, uh, built a stronger family afterwards. And I am, believe I'm a stronger character. Well, that's awesome that, that you were able to work through it. Have you, have, how do your children feel about it? I mean, when they, uh, they have a father who went to pr- prison, defied the federal government, if you will, defied the president. Are they proud of that or did they struggle with that? What is that like for them? They're, they're developing young adults. Uh, my daughter is wonderfully brilliant in, in medical school and she's um, incredibly into the scriptures. So she's above politics and uh, my two younger sons just, uh, they, they understand it and they appreciate it, I think, but, it, you know, still it was a, a year away from them. Um, and that's, that's been tough to mend too, but um, along with all the other stuff that's going on in our country that you have to prepare for, it's, it's, yeah, it's tough on families, but a lot of families have tougher times. Absolutely. And, you you know, you're so right about the division that has taken place between all families. I mean, I, uh, it's, I don't know of very many families at all that have complete unity and full support of each other. Um, The the part of the intent uh, when you just want to destroy a nation is to get them fighting amongst each other, because then they'll do the work of the enemy for them. And that is a a terrible thing to happen, especially when it happens with families. But I'm so glad to hear that your daughter is strong in the Lord, because that can make all the difference in the world. Ultimately, this is very much a spiritual battle. And um, I just remember when I first heard your story, I was angered at the fact that here, you have the courage, you're one of a few people that had the courage to take a stand and say, you know what, I can't do this. It is not right. And the fact is, there are very few people who really see the world like that. I mean, where there are hard truths, um, there is good and evil, there is right and wrong. And frankly, all too many people are just willing to compromise that, willing to give in and say, oh, well, it could be worse. And I mean, I've heard a lot of uh, even in my own family say, well, you know, when it comes to wearing a mask, if they make us do it again, yeah, I'll do what I ever have to, whatever I have to do to get by. And that's exactly how an empire topples. That's how it's crumbled, because if we don't take a stand for what we claim to believe, then we are very much a weak people and we will be led astray. And I do see that happening in America in a really big way nowadays. Um, are you still um, in the fight as far as the, the propaganda war that is going on right now? I mean, a lot of that we saw how medicine was used as a vehicle um, to do some pretty nasty things. What are you seeing in medicine today, and how are you dealing with all of that? Well, I, I rebuilt my my life with a medical practice, and and had the family in Colorado for ten years. But yeah, several years ago, I believed that I needed to voice more, and became a, a representative to our county medical society in legislative matters and 
that it was, you know, through that, that I realized that, you know, Madison was lost in Colorado, um, having a dissenting voice about red flag laws, um, mandatory vaccines back when the measles outbreak was, was coming about. Um, uh, I, I did try and have a voice, but realized that Colorado was, was lost to liberals uh, by design. They, the Democrats took over Colorado a decade ago and, and it's been changed into a, a, a divisive place. Um, so yeah, I, I did start trying to voice my opinion more in that, in that realm. But after leaving Colorado, I was again, just going to hopefully make it through whatever comes this great reset or, um, take care of my family. Um, but, um, the, you know, the, the joy of going to the freedom doctors conference and meeting you in January. And again, a couple months ago was, was very, uh, very nice to see a group of like-minded physicians. It was indeed the truth. Yeah. yeah. Seeking out the truth, seeking out the best care and, um, realizing that we have a lot of problems in our government and big pharma and medicine, and we need to work at creating alternate systems because the current systems are so corrupt that I don't think they can be fixed. Well, very well said. It's almost like uh, considering a reformation versus a restoration of the way things ought to be. And that's exactly where we are right now in medicine. And so we do have our work cut out for us. We are going to take a short break and be right back. It's summertime. Ready for your vacation to the beach, the lake, or the mountains? But what about your accommodations? Ever wonder what germs were left behind by the previous guests? Kathy G. from Tulsa says the Genesis Fogger gives her peace of mind and confidence when traveling. With Genesis, she knows that the air and surfaces in her vacation rental are free of bacteria and viruses left behind by the previous occupants. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients, like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day, pill-free, ultra-absorption ingestible gel. It tastes great, comes in a convenient squeeze gel pack, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, 
an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Surely if you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. You can listen in on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve Latulip and my guest, Dr. Terry Lakin. Remember, you can listen to this radio show at 12 and 5 Eastern Time on uh, Saturday and Sunday. It then goes to podcast and you can access that at americaoutloud.com. I would also recommend that you get a hold of Dr. Terry Lakin's book, called Officer's Oath. I am in the middle of reading this right now, and I tell you, it is an excellent account of what a person endures, what a person goes through when we choose to sacrifice for the good of our nation. And that's what this is all about today. Also remember at americaoutloud.com, scroll down to our team, select Dr. Steve LaTulip, and you can get access to all of my columns that are written weekly, plus as I discuss current issues, important issues that are determined to make a difference. If we are ever going to win our freedom back in this country and once again become a free republic, it will take a unity and one without compromise, and that requires an awful lot of work. Well, we've been discussing today the issue of Obama's legitimacy as president of the United States. It's hard to believe he was actually elected for two terms of office. I doubted him from the beginning. Everything he said was suspect, in my opinion, however humble that may be. Sometimes fulfilling an oath to do the best, to be the best of our abilities can be very painful. And sometimes after we take action based on our convictions, when we stay true to those convictions, sometimes we even doubt ourselves, wondering if we made the right or the wrong decision, if we acted foolishly because we were too naive or too idealistic. Dr. Lakin did his very best to defend the Constitution, and I think that is a highly noble quality. He also paid a very heavy price for it. Some might say that he actually made an error in judgment. Others say he made the right choice, and I wish I'd have done it. But nobody can reasonably question his motives. In other words, it's a good position to be in. If you're going to make an error in anything, and remember to err is human, then much better that it be an error of judgment rather than an error of the heart. And because of that, 
I have nothing but the highest respect for Dr. Lakin. This issue of patriotism is really one that we need to explore deeply. It's a hot issue of our times right now. And so let's get into it a little bit deeper. So Dr. Lakin, I, I look at your situation where you were actually sentenced to, to a prison, to a military prison in Leavenworth. And I'm curious because when I see that the, the parallel of when the January 6th prisoners were sent, of course, without any due process, at least you had a military tribunal court hearing, um, but they have had nothing and they've been in there now over a year. Um, that is just pathetic and that is un-American. But I'm really curious, how were you treated in Leavenworth as a prisoner? Uh, it's, you know, prison, prison sucks. Um, just a lot of, uh, um, you know, some hardship, but uh, a lot of things that give you faith in humanity along the way. Um, you know, probably a little... Uh, give you examples of compare and contrast or, or the opposites of, you know, being sentenced and having to, you know, be shackled at the ankles and leather waistband and shackled at the, at the wrist um, and having your rank torn off of you by another Lieutenant Colonel, uh, you know, pretty stark contrast when, Really, I'll, I just wanted an answer to a question of, is my command legitimate? And, um, you know, treated as thrown in a makeshift prison or an old prison that they had to get storage out of at Walter Reed um, in the middle of a snowstorm and you know, having uh, security guards there that were having me strip my boots and socks, taking my shoelaces like I was suicidal and um, you know, give them, let me spend the night in a cold, dark, damp prison cell, no contact with the family, um, anymore. And, um, you know, just, uh, um, contrasted with, you know, I, the, the next day when they were going to take me off to, uh, Leavenworth, I was able to meet with my family and, you know, ask the, first sergeant if he'd take my shackles off so I could at least hold my kids and and um you know to hear him say that I didn't even have to ask that he was going to do it anyway and um you know so uh, you know good bits of humanity and and some people with integrity but uh, then you know flown out to Walter Reed I was taken in the middle of the night from Walter Reed to uh, Reagan International Airport and marched through the concourse with shackles on and you know escorted onto a flight in the back seat um, still in shackles and and uh, arrived at, at uh, Leavenworth early in the morning and you know Leavenworth is a prison they you know have to the guards have to assert their authority and I, I don't think I took the abuse that some of the other prisoners did but um, two weeks essentially in solitary confinement over Christmas with no means to contact the family was was hard, even to let them know I was okay. But uh, you, once getting out to it, 
Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Or just well, after two weeks, uh, you get out into the general population. You're in a cell block with 70 other prisoners. Um, you know, and just kind of uh, learning how to deal with your your next six months. So let me ask you, do you feel like any of the prison guards uh, who knew your case, knew your story, did you feel like you ever got any sympathy from them or were they just doing their job and treating you like everyone else? They were just doing their job. Um, you know, it's, it's tough on them. There's probably half, half or a third are, of the inmates need to be there and, and uh, several of them, some of them are troublemakers, but I'd probably say there's a third that shouldn't have been there like me. I even ended up reading the record of trial for a few inmates and couldn't believe that they were convicted. Um, you know, the, I learned that the Uniform Code of Military Justice isn't a justice uh, system. It's a, it's a punishment. And it's amazing that the, the due process that is lost, but, but that goes along with our justice system. I learned too late too, that our justice system civilian side is, isn't a justice system. It's a, it's regulated by precedents and you know, precedent cases and procedures. And if you Absolutely. don't comply with those, Absolutely. You know, you're lost. You can be yeah, totally right. But whether you don't, if you don't follow the right procedure, you're wrong. Right, right. It's a, it's all about procedure protocol, uh, which is really sad because it's such a misnomer when you talk about the Department of Justice. There is no such thing as justice. And, you know, I suppose uh, that's come back my face because I taught that to my children from the very get-go. I said, do not let, expect life to be fair. Life is not fair. And that's rule number one. But um, it's very sad that justice is at least not even the pretended goal. I mean, because it really isn't. Um, and I definitely saw that happen in my own life in a totally different way, but I don't want to focus on that today. So I um, understand that there was a request made on your behalf for a pardoning from President Trump. And I believe that was by Dr. Orly uh, Tates, if I'm saying that right, she was an attorney. Uh, or he, um, can you tell me about that? I certainly, um, I, I don't know if that was happening when I was serving my time or not, but, uh, you know, a lot of people have uh, put in good, good requests and, you know, certainly tried to help me out, uh, requesting pardons and, um, you know, they're, they're it just didn't, you know, pardon didn't mean to me anything um, and, until Trump was in office. And I did put in for an official pardon from President Trump. But, you know, there's many more other people trying to do that, too. Um, so you I just never just, heard anything from President Trump or from his office? Yeah. Once once you turn in your uh, pardon packet, that's that's it. And you hope that it gets up to his desk. But. There are so many filters along the way that, um, you know, it may not have even been crossed his desk. So, you know, I, I'll apply in the future if there's somebody better in office. 
Do you think there's still a chance of you being pardoned at some point in time? I would hope so. Um, but I'm not counting on it. Um, you know, I, I want our country saved. And that's the most important thing to me. I hope our, 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 uh, I hope the January 6th prisoners are, are pardoned or released or at least given due process. And that's more pressing than the pardon for me. Well, I agree. And they have not to this date received any due process. And they're, in my opinion, they're treated worse than prisoners of war. I mean, we at least have the Geneva Convention. And yeah, sure, we've had violations of that, I'm sure, on an individual basis. But still, there was a precedent set to treat a prisoner of war at least as a civilized human uh, being. And um, sometimes that, that is not the case as we are seeing now with the January 6th just, prisoners. Yeah, it, it's just sad in our society that we have guards and officers of the guards that are taking part in that. And, you know, why don't they come forward? Um, they, they have to have some some balance of fairness and and uh, oath to their office that they won't abuse prisoners and that's you know prisoners not getting their their ability to be heard in court and a timely trial is is abuse and it is we have and, you know, people I that can't, are taking part in that right but but you know i can't help but think that the people who are there as prison guards working right now i I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that those people were hand selected because they knew how they would treat the prisoners who really are not prisoners. I mean, these people have been convicted of nothing to date. They're still waiting for a trial. They have no representation, no bail. And this goes against everything that our Constitution talks about in due process. So um, I think that this was well known. And of course, why would we expect any different? Because look at what the top officials are doing in Congress. I mean, if they're no better, certainly they're going to select the same type of thugs, if you will, that will do their bidding. And that's exactly what is happening. In fact, that's happening with the CIA, the FBI, and all these other government agencies. They are not interested in maintaining integrity and honor and justice by any means. So I don't think that we can really expect anything more than that. So with regard to your case, Dr. Lake, and would you say pretty much that the nails are in the coffin, everything is said and done, and there's nothing else uh, other than maybe uh, a real fleeting chance of an appeal someday? Uh, is it over? Well, I... I did have a window of appeal process uh, about when I was completing my, my sentence and I, I didn't trust the system anymore. And I was told that once you go to that next level, level of appeal, losing that, I would have become a precedent case. And I, I looked it back at how uh, specialist Michael knew was a precedent case that was used totally against me during my um, my court martial, 
and a few other cases, and I didn't want to become that case um, to prosecute other soldiers in the future. Sure, I understand um, that. And it's a legitimate concern, let's face it. The military is corrupt, the military is woke, and so is our president, who's nothing more than a puppet, and every bit as illegitimate as was Obama. Um, can I ask you this? Do you have any regrets whatsoever? I mean, would you make the same choice again, fully knowing the cost, fully knowing the outcome, or would you change anything, Dr. Lakin? I, during my court martial, at the end, before your sentencing, you're allowed to make a sworn statement, or you can be cross-examined, or a non-sworn statement where you can just say whatever you want. And um, after a lot of going back and forth with my lawyer, um, I was able to say that looking back on things in an unsupported statement, I said, looking back on things, I would not have done what I did. And in my mind, I'm saying, had I known that I would have had to take an officer's oath to somebody that's not legitimate. I would not have joined the army to begin with. So that was what I meant in that statement. Um, so the situation that I had, I, I had to do what I did. I, I, I could not have lived with myself deploying and being responsible for um, medics or other people that are under my uh, leadership uh, getting harmed from orders from a unlegit you know illegitimate uh, commander in chief. I I could have served out my term and been done, but I well that's not that was not in me either at the time with the situation. So I I do feel that you know I I was being led in my faith before all this happened. My faith got me through it. And I believe that the Lord chose me for that path, you know, one way or another. I, I do, you know, instance I remember most vividly is I had made my video that was supposed to be released if I had chose not to deploy. And I was working overnight at the, at the Pentagon, I had stayed overnight to get notes done. And, and also I got a phone call from a distressed cadet that had to get his flight physical in the next day. And I hand walked him through the next day, making sure that he got his flight physical done so he could go to the flight school. But during that night, I'm looking at my orders saying, I don't know if I, maybe I should just deploy. And it seemed like the Lord highlighted that phrase in my order saying, bring five copies of your birth certificate. Uh, I had to look at the paper again and again because it, it sure. was highlighted but it, in, in my mind, but it, it wasn't there. And, and uh, I think the Lord put that in front of me and, and uh, made my choice that I was going to take a stand. Well, I am so glad that you did, and I have to agree with you. I mean, I, I think it takes an awful lot of courage 
to go into a fight knowing that you're probably going to lose, probably going to pay a tremendous price. But if you stay true to your conscience and your convictions, um, that's called living a life without regret. I only regret that you didn't have a whole lot more support. In the depths of your heart, do you still believe that Barack Obama was an imposter in chief? I, I can look back and say that maybe it was a question back then, but everything since then is still pointing that we don't know who he is. And um, since, since my release, uh, the investigating officer for Maricopa County, Mike Zullo, uh, has documented evidence that the birth certificates that Obama supposedly pro-offered were, were fakes. And he's got digital analysis of it and forensic handwriting experts that you know, documented that what he offered is, is fake and manufactured. So you know, we still don't know who he is. Right. And that pretty much answers the question right there. We don't know who served two terms as president of the United States. I think that answers the question, doesn't it? We don't know who yeah. he is. And let me ask you one more question. Do we think or do you think that he's serving a third term right now? Yeah, I think that's obvious, too. He, he's told us as much. <laughs> You, you know, these, these people tell us what they're doing. Exactly. And he did for, say for it. some reason, for some reason, the, yeah, the public or the media glosses over it and, and people Absolutely. forget about it. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so with, with him having a house in the DC area with Valerie Jarrett at his side, I'm sure they have an operations center and, and, um, you know, a direct line into policies that, he wants Biden to put his name to. Yeah. Okay. It's very, it's very obvious to me. It's plain and simple that he is the chief puppeteer and imposter is still acting as chief puppeteer. And that's why we are in a war. And that's why Dr. Lakin, I just have to tell you, I am very grateful to you. I am thankful to you. And I got to admit, I feel a little bit less lonely because I took a stand in a different way and paid a price and I'm still paying a price. But I'm telling you, what price could we put ever on our freedom? Well, I thank you very much for joining me today. And uh, as far as contact information, Dr. Lakin, um, you, would you like to share that with our listeners in case they would like to contact you? Well, certainly. Um, we've maintained the website, officersos.com. Um, from there, it uh, has pertinent history of the case and what happened. And, um, you know, the, the book tells my story. Uh, just blessed to have uh, Jack Cashel, who's an incredible author, give me a call after I got out of Leavenworth and said that he wanted to do my story. Um, Jack's a, a great writer and has had a lot of uh, uh, other stories that he's told that people should read his books. But uh, the book can be um, obtained through there. Uh, you can contact me through that website. 
there's also a, the back half of the book is my favorite. It's the story of all the other people that were involved in the fight. Um, Commander Kirshner has led this fight uh, as a retired Navy officer and took it all the way to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court was just too too chicken to to take this up. And other fighters like Mickey Booth, a wonderful uh, political activist down in uh, Oklahoma, and and uh, a lot of other good people involved in this. Well, that's awesome. Okay, you've heard it, folks. Officersoath.com. Uh, please go to that website. And if you want to read a very telling, very informative, good book, Officers Oath by Lieutenant Colonel and Dr. Terry Lakin, please get it there. Terry, thank you so much for joining to me today. I appreciate all that you've said. Well, thank you, Steve. And you know, I appreciate all, all of your kind words and, and what you're going through and all the other physicians that I've physicians and providers that I've met at the, the Freedom Doctors Conference. And I think our country will come out in a better place after some hard times, but we hope that we have God on, God on our side. Absolutely. I just want you to know, I think that you deserve a full pardon, a medal of honor, in my opinion, and a full military retirement for your extreme act of courage. You are exactly the type of person I'd want flying on my wing. And you are an American patriot of patriots. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you, Steve. God bless you. You betcha. Well, good patriots, fellow Christians, freedom does have its price. The fact remains that few are really willing to suffer and to sacrifice and to fight for what is right. But that's exactly what we must do right now if we are going to take America back. We must not allow Dr. Lakin's sacrifice in defense of our Constitution be in vain. And if we act together, we can easily take down the spineless, gutless, testosterone-deficient weasels who now aim to destroy us. I hope I'll see some of you on the front line. You've been listening to Dr. Steve LaTulip on Unity Without Compromise. Until next time, adieu.